Christmas season. You know, we're, we're looking at this, um, we're looking forward to Advent here, and we have, we have Christmas building up. And I've got these little girls, and they're, they're thrilled to be at a church that has, like, they, they remember the Christmas tree from last year. So, like, we came here for uh, Thanksgiving last year, heard JP preach, and, uh, and, and they remember the huge Christmas tree. I understand it's the biggest fake in, in <laughs> big, biggest, biggest fake tree in, uh, in Merrimack Valley. So, I mean, this, this is excitement, and, and, and everything builds up, and, and my wife does, is, is immaculate building things up. We're going to get home on Tuesday. We're looking forward to getting back to Erie, and, uh, and we're getting, the tree's going up the first day we're home, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I've been told by everybody else in my house. And the advent calendar goes up and the kids get their little presents. And there's anticipation for this, for this celebration of the Lord. Well, we'll chalk it up to that, not Santa. Um, there's an anticipation of this, of this expectation of celebrating Christ. And this anticipation built in the Old Testament. You know, it starts with this, this picture of Eve as, as she's in the garden, she's, she's in God's presence, and then she's removed from God's presence. And everything in this world gets really messed up. And in, and in that, God promises her that her seed will destroy the serpent. This is uh, the photo evangelion. This, this, this first seed of the gospel is that her seed will destroy Satan. So here she is, you know, some, some years later, and she's, she's holding a baby. And she's looking at this, this child, Cain, and she's like, you know, this, this, is, this might be the Savior. And then, like, a couple years later, another one comes along. She's like, maybe it's Abel. One of, I, got a, I got two shots at this, having the seed destroy Satan and to, to restore me into God's presence. Then, then Cain kills Abel, and so it just continues to get messy. And the rest of the history, the rest of the Old Testament goes on, and there's this anticipation building as to when will this seed come. And every time there's a, there's a prophet, there's a king, there's this clarification as to what this will look like. There, there's a manual. You know, God will be with us. And the seed gets a little bit clearer of a picture. That, that the seed will come from a virgin in Isaiah 7. You know, like the, the, the picture gets a little, the, the baby will be in Bethlehem. And the seed continues to get clear throughout the Old Testament. And every time as they go along, there's reminders that they're not in the garden anymore. There's brokenness around them. And they look around and they're like, man, I, I miss God's presence. I, I, miss, I miss walking with them. And as they reminded of the brokenness, they look for a Savior. I mean, not, not too much unlike us in our lives. But they look for saviors and, and kings and prophets and priests and these leaders that would, that would bring armies in with, with horses. And they would look to them and say, maybe this is the time that we will see the Savior. Where's the palm leaves? Like, where will the Savior be? Is this him? And the picture continues yet clearer and clearer, building up to this point that we have some shepherds in a field. Now, are they, waiting, are they waiting for this king, this savior to show? No, we, we find God in a common place. We find him with common men doing common things. And little details that, that God orchestrated to put everything together. Little details that, that, he, would, that he would cause, that he would have a census exist, that, that they would bring all the families back to Bethlehem, that he would have this young, engaged couple come to the census and to, to have the baby born at that time. All these little details that God in his sovereignty orchestrated 
so that, so that he might bring together his story. And with this, we see some shepherds. You know, they're, they're out grazing sheep, so maybe not December. I mean, this is, this is New England, the, the, the most beautiful little pictures of Christmas. You know, I mean, they, they make like little statues of your town for people for Christmas time, little, little chapels with the snow on. You guys have great Christmases here. I, I'm, here gets a lot of snow, but I miss, I miss the, the, the streets. Um, as, as, as the picture goes, the shepherds are out grazing sheep, so probably not December, probably not that idyllic picture. But shepherds, you know, the, the guys on the right side of the little nativity there, and, and, but, the, but they're, they're nobody's out in the field. This isn't, this isn't your small business owner with his sheep and his nice little gig going. This isn't the, the respectable guy that belongs to the club and, and pitches along the ship. These guys were nobodies. Right? And even today, I mean, we, I, I'm, I'm being caught up on things as far as shepherd. I understand North Andover has a big, like, sheep thing. Um, I, I was told I didn't have to worry about that in Andover. They, they shear the sheep, and, and that's not a thing here. Um, but but in, uh, in, in Goodwill Hunting, you know, in the movie, uh, Matt Damon and Robin Williams are sitting in his office, and, and Matt Damon's a genius, and he can do anything, you know? So Robin Williams is sitting there, and he's like, what do you want to do, Will? Matt Damon's character looks back and he goes, I want to be a shepherd. I want to get a nice little spread of land up in Nashua, and I want to get some sheep, and I'm going to tend to them. And Robin Williams is just like, mind, he's just like, get out of here. And he like, you know, rattles off a bunch of stuff. He's, he's angry, and, and as, he's, as, as Matt Damon's walking out, he's like, come on, our session's not up. He's like, no, nah, get out of here. It's over now. Get out, go, go get out of here, Bo Peep. His nice little, his nice little sheep, he's going to tend to him in Nashua. I asked your pastor, he said there's no sheep in Nashua. That's his grant. Now, no sheep in Nashua. He said his wife might have back where she was from, but no sheep in Nashua. The sheep, the shepherds in Jesus' day, they were, they were transients. They were, they were thieves usually. They were unclean. You know, like in the context I work in, we got guys that they don't have mailing addresses. They use the, the, uh, the, the warming shelter for their mailing address. When you don't have an address, you get away with a lot of stuff. Like nobody finds you. They probably don't want to be found. So shepherds were the kind of guys that didn't want to be found. They wanted to make a little money under the table. They didn't want to be seen or found. They were so untrustworthy that they, that they were unclean for temple worship. They're raising sheep to be, to be given as temple sacrifices, but they're not allowed in the temple. They're, they're not trustworthy enough. They weren't legally allowed to be witnesses. They weren't trustworthy enough to be a witness in a court of law. So here we have... Two big things, like if Jesus comes and you want to make a statement about it, you want to do that at the temple and you want to do it at the court of law, these shepherds can't do that. And this is the beginning of the proclamation of Jesus. They couldn't even testify to it in court. And here's Christ, and as he, as he describes himself throughout scripture as a shepherd. Like, it's, it's humiliating to think that, that God descended from the throne to take on the form of a baby, but he illustrates his love for us in that he's a shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep, that he steps down so far as to picture himself with such, such humiliation. I mean, sheep are, sheep are dumb. You know, and, and maybe you're, as you're looking at God descending, you're like, yeah, but I'm a special. Yeah, you're, special, you're a special kind of sheep. Good luck, you know? And with this, the angels look to them and they say, I bring you good news. The anticipation is over. 
that, that, God, that, that God is with us. The only place in Scripture where, where it lists Savior, Christ, and Lord all together. They get this picture as the shepherds are in the field of, of what it is that has been brought to them. A Savior, Christ the Lord, the Anointed One. The promises to Eve, the covenants, the patriarchs, the kings, all the proclamation and the prophets is now found in the flesh in, the, in a manger in such humility. And all of this time seeking Eden, seeking God's presence, a multitude of heavenly hosts is opened up. And shepherds in a field see Eden. They see a picture of God's presence as the, as the heavenly hosts sing and proclaim in verse 14, glory to God. And it was, it was glorious. Man saw Eden once again. God's presence was simple and terrifying. You know, restored in a way that we don't, that we don't experience in this life. What they saw was something that we don't get to see. Or the heavens don't, we don't see the heavenly hosts. Yet, yet we're restored even greater by the Savior, this Christ, this Lord, that, that the presence of God dwells within us. That we gather together as a church family and that the presence of God is graciously with us today. And we sing today. We sing and praise with those heavenly hosts as the shepherds did on that day as they were terrified in their presence. They had a response of worship. The shepherds being terrified the angels with praise, Mary treasuring and pondering these things in her heart as she hears the reports. See, the presence of God draws a response from his people. The descriptions are all of worship. To, to have God's presence with us and to, and to ponder it with wonderment in our hearts like Mary. To sing praises like the heavenly host of glory to God. To be like the shepherds and terrified in the presence of God. God's presence draws a reaction, a reaction, a response of worship. Now, Advent is a time of recognizing God's presence. The presence of God, his Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The gracious presence as we gather together to worship. And God's presence incarnate, that he walked with us as a man. Maybe in a less spectacular way, but those multitudes worship with us today, worshiping Christ. Now don't, don't let the subject of this story get lost. You know, we look at this story, and it's a story about shepherds and, uh, and some sheep that scattered away as they were terrified, and some, uh, some angels singing, and Mary, and jo we get this little picture. But don't get lost in who the subject of this story is. What we see is Christ changing lives. These other guys, they're, they're the objects of the story. It's just, just a little picture about these shepherds and, and a, little, a little illustration as to what Christ does. The shepherds, the angels, the parents, they get a nice a part of the story, but the story, the subject of it, is Christ. Christ is, Christ is the subject of our stories as well. As he steps into our history, as he steps into a point of our lives with the Holy Spirit, he changes us. Imagine those, imagine those shepherds and the position they were in, their transient nature and their, their deceptive, you know, these little thieves out in the field just trying to make a quick buck off the radar. 
Imagine how their life changes when God's presence steps down and grabs them. Their story isn't about them at that point. Their story is about how God moves in the life of just your basic men. Mary's picture, as she looks at this baby, to understand how God changes her life with her wonderment. The picture of our story as we see our lives turn is we move from this self-centered, this, this sinful picture, and we move to a God-centered perspective of our lives. When God steps in and turns our direction and we respond with worship. A call to at times to set the sheep aside and encounter the living God. So we're going to, we continue in worship. We, we sing his praises. We, we step before him terrified with pondering and wonderment. And we sing praises like the heavenly host and with the heavenly host today. And we remember God's presence with us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. and We, we stand before you terrified at times. That you would meet us where we're at in our own little fields, in our own little places where common places that we might not expect to see, but that you gather us. Hearing stories of men here today uh, in the earlier service where, where God met them in unlikely places as he did the shepherds. And Father, I pray that you would, that you would remind us how you called us, that you, would, that you would direct us back to that picture when you, when you opened up heaven and sent your spirit to live in us, to dwell in us. And I pray that in response to that, we would, we would worship you rightly. That we would focus on you. We would be Christ-centered in our stories. We lift these things up to your son's name we pray.